All right, bradcooney.com is absolutely honored to have you in. Former Megadeth guitarist, and you play with them all, man. Testament, Queensryche, King Diamond. We got Glenn Drover on board. Glenn, thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. It's good to be here. All right, man. We don't we don't get much uh, uh, interviews of, out of the Great White North, but we did have uh, Russ Dwarf recently. That was pretty cool. Uh, from yeah, the Killer Dwarfs, great guy, man. Um, look, man, you're a busy guy. Let's let's, let's get the uh, listeners up to speed of what you're what you're working on currently. What what, what are some current projects you're working on? Um, well, one thing um, that we've just started in the last month working on is um, doing some remixes of the last three Eidolon records that me and Sean, my brother Sean, who's the drummer, who's still in Vegas, mm-hmm. um we did these. Uh, we had a band called Eidolon that we uh, we started somewhere in the mid '90s, and we did a series of albums with uh, with Battle Blade. More of a recording band. Didn't really do a lot of touring, but we did some festivals. But it was primarily more recording. Anyway, but the last three albums that we did, uh, we're we're actually remixing them, and uh, it's sounding really, really good. Mm. Without getting into all the details of why we're doing it, um, I think it's mostly because of technology and the way those particular albums were recorded. Although we were happy with them, what we're able to do now is, uh, it, I mean, the, the production is just uh, yeah, it's just really gone up, you know, a, a good 50 notches, you know, it's just, it really, it, it, it's, it's such a difference that we had to do it, you know, it was a no-brainer when we were talking about the idea, mm-hmm. trying a few things out, and we did that, and experiment, it's like, yeah, we've got to go with this, so we're going to do, yeah, we're going to remix the last three records and put those out, and in the next uh, little while, I'm not sure when, because we're just still in the process of doing that, mm-hmm. and um, about halfway through uh, uh, an album, the, you know, the Glenn Drover band stuff that I uh, I started doing last year with uh, with Jim Gilmore from Saga. We um, it's under my name, but you know it's really more of a band thing. But it's mm-hmm. instrumental stuff. I've been working on. Uh, we've been doing this stuff for a couple of years now, but we're working on the second record, so awesome. that should be finished sometime in the summer. And um, yeah, it's really coming along, really cool, really happy with it. We might have a few songs on there that'll have vocals actually this time. And a few guest guys on it as well. So, what year did you guys originally write the first Eidolon songs? How, how old are these songs you're remixing? Well, these albums, they're the last three that we did. We've done about seven albums since mm-hmm. 1995 or 96. These particular ones, uh, one album is called Culmination, which came out in 2002. Apostles of Defiance, which came out in 2003. And then the final one that's called The Parallel Otherworld, that was an album that we released in 2006. That was during the time when I was in Megadeth. So we were trying to, you know, when I joined Megadeth, the album wasn't, you know, wasn't complete. Actually, at that point, Sean was in Sweden doing the, uh, the drum tracks for the album during the time I just joined Megadeth and went into rehearsals for that first tour. And then, of course, Sean, you know, winds up coming into the picture shortly after, but, uh, <laughs> That's where that, the album was at that stage, and then we ended up finishing the album during the time, you know, we were in the band, just, you know, in between tours and recording and, and whatnot, so, mm. you know. And they, and they also have different singers. The uh, the first two had mentioned, Culmination Apostles, have um singer's name is Pat Mollick, and uh, the, the last one that we did, uh, the Parallel album, was with uh, Nils Carew, which is, he's, he's in also in a band called Pagan's Mind. Wow, you know, I was, as you were as you were talking, I was reminiscing back to you know, you mentioned Metal Blade Metal Blade Records, and I'm thinking back to the '80s and the, 
you know, early mid eighties, early eighties, mid eighties. My question is, to me, and I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm normally a pretty positive guy, but some of the music that comes out these days, some of it's great, some of it's not so good, and the songwriting, both instrumental and lyrics, back in the 80s and early 90s to me was unbelievable man it's, i miss it honestly it's like you can't even you can't even find a good lead solo in a lot of songs and some of the newer music so when you remix stuff i mean don't you wish you had that technology back in the 80s and 90s i mean because what do you see in the remix it's like isn't it like a night and day is well, it, i don't know i wasn't doing anything we didn't we started doing this in more of the mid 90s kind of era right. but you know every decade has its good and bad and it's all just subjective anyways it's all just down to one one person's opinion. Every decade has you know good and bad, and um, depending on your, your your opinion. But uh, I hear what you're saying with the whole guitar thing. But there's a lot of great guitar players out now too. You know, it's uh, I know oh, yeah. the 80s definitely spawned. I guess you know that would probably be the decade where you know you had probably the most technically advanced players, and there was a lot of them, and they're still cited as very you know. Some of the you know some of the better players out there. Period. On a technical level, like you know, Warren Martini and and, oh, yeah. and, Bay and Paul Gilbert and Tony McAlpine and Vinnie Moore. I keep going. Um, you know, but there's you know again, every <clears throat> decade '90s had said some good stuff as well as uh, where we're at now. So um, yeah, good point. But uh, doing the, the remixes, it was really nothing to do with anything of, of performance. Really, it was more to do about production and. Um, because a couple of those albums, uh, we we uh, we used um, some different instruments that we, you know, at the time we I, I, we were cool with it. But now it's like, you know, because we have, I've been working with Pro Tools for about ten years now, and um, it's just all these really cool different, you know, plugins and and, and possibilities that are mm. that come with these systems that uh, where you can fix things that maybe back then you couldn't, you know, and get right. the exact sound <clears throat> you wanted. And now we're able to do that, so that's the whole reason for that. It wasn't anything to do with anything of a, oh shit, you know, I, I wish I would have done that solo different or this or that. No, it wasn't it nothing, to, right. nothing to do with that. You know? You're also doing some teaching, huh? You're teaching guitar? I've been doing that for about a decade, yeah. Yeah, I do that as well. I do a lot of, of, of that stuff. Um, I do some stuff in person, but I do a lot of stuff online as well through Skype. Ah, you know, and uh, which is great. It's 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 really been it's been working out really good. It's it's. I started incorporating um, recording and songwriting into the whole picture, so it's not just guitar. You know, like you know, we we do all that stuff as well, doing all the you know, going over different techniques and both rhythm and and, and lead wise. But I've also incorporated those other two elements, so which is really cool, and we're able to learn a lot of chops through that too. So you do this thing where, you know, work on some riffs. Let's say to like, let's say you have a riff and you want to, you know, you want to put underneath working on some solos. You know, you just come up with something and, and and just instead of just doing stuff on the fly and just writing stuff down, we're able to put stuff to music. You know, and and work out stuff. Going back to basically the original idea when I was starting. You know, when I started playing guitar, and still do to this day, is playing along with music. Mm -hmm. So I try to encourage everybody to do that, and songwriting too, because people always, you know, like how do you, you know, how do you construct a solo within a song? How do you come up with rhythm riffs to to, to form a song? So all these things are uh, are all there, you know. So it's, it's actually really fun and productive, <clears throat> and um, 
they used to do half hour lessons. That's not it's not long enough anymore. Yeah, right. We're right. doing hour spots, and uh, and it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been really productive, and everybody's uh, you know it's a lot of um, that's been great. So. Now, is there is there any websites that people can go to if they wanted you know if they wanted to get your your uh, guitar lessons or how how do people get a hold of you? Well, I think you, there's there's examples that you can find online of, of stuff that I've done. Say for for example, jamplay.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just did a series of videos for those guys in Colorado. Um, I think there's probably two or three examples of that, probably on YouTube, that somebody can just see just initially what what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more focused on solos and stuff, but um, I touched on a lot of different subjects. Jamplay.com also too is it's a thing where you sign up and and you have access to all these different players. Steve Stevens is on there. A uh, whole slew of people I'm on there, you know, so that's one thing just for video sake. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the live interactive stuff that uh, I was just talking about, um, basically it's real simple. I just, you know, it's contact for me is gdlessons at gmail.com. You know, for anybody who's really serious about that kind of stuff, um, you know, that's that's where it all begins. Good stuff, man. All right, I want to take you back in time a little bit, man, and t- talk to me about what what got you into playing guitar, and who, and who were some of your influences? Well, I guess when I when I first started playing, like more seriously, I suppose I'd be about eleven or twelve. It's really where I started to learn how to play some rhythm and, and a couple of little solo pieces and stuff. Because Black Sabbath would be probably the first, uh, probably the most influential. Because um, to me at that time they were my favorite band by far, and I had a bunch of records, and that's when I started playing along with my albums. I, I, there was a couple of people I knew, friends that used to do that as well, and I thought, wow, it's really cool. They're playing along with the records and learning stuff, or just jamming, mm-hmm. which I like to do both. So I learned a lot from that, you know, just uh, a lot of stuff by ear, a lot of you know. It's really street, you know, very street player is, is what I am, you know, and, and and growing up with certain people, you know, you, that were playing guitar, you kind of swap little things, you know, you, you know, I learned something, you know, I just, you know, and then you kind of trade things off here and there, you know, with your buddies and stuff. So I did that whole thing, and 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 uh, again, just trying to pick stuff up from just listening to music, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and you know, slowly but surely, and. Uh, so I've been doing that a long time now, you know, doing the whole lifting thing, and uh, that's kind of the route I went, you know, sitting in my bedroom and playing along with my <laughs> records and trying to figure out what the hell was going on and <laughs> learn the alphabet of the instrument and put things together and make sense of it and have a lot of fun. So then you... Uh, this would be the initial... Sabbath is definitely, yeah, that, that's where it all started, but of course many follow after that, but that was the initial one for sure. Yeah, I was a big Sabbath fan growing up too. Um, so you guys did your thing with with Eidolon, and uh, how 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 did the King Diamond thing happen? How did you transition from Eidolon and then and get to play with King Diamond? Well, I was still doing that actually at the time. What happened was me and Sean were doing we had done a couple of albums with the Eidolon stuff, and they were both independent at that point that we released. And um, but way before that, I had actually before we started any of that. And it was like very, very early 90s. I sent an audition tape to King. I make a long story short, I was able to get it to his booking agency and they forwarded it to him. That was, and, and at that time he was living in Denmark. And 
you know, and then and then we we, we got, I got in contact with him after I sent the, the video, and um, and he mentioned, yeah, you know, I'm definitely gonna check it out. I already know that you'd sent it out, this and that, and um, you know, if it's something that we feel that is suitable, like style wise, and you know, you never know what can happen type of thing. And then I got a call shortly after saying, you know, you really like the tape. But there wasn't, you know, there wasn't an opening at that point. So mm-hmm. we just kind of, you know, just were talking throughout the years, you know, up until about 97. So a good four or five years off and on, we just became friends. And then uh, one day he called me up and uh, he had an opening. And that's when I joined the band. It was around 97 or 98. And um, I did that. But also when I recorded that one album with them, we had just finished recording another Eidolon album, and we just got and we signed a deal with Metal Blade. So King Diamond was on Metal Blade, and we were on Metal Blade. So I was on the, the, the same label twice, which was kind of interesting. Hmm. And um, and then I ended up staying with King for about three years or so, and we did a little bit of touring, but there wasn't a lot. You know, I I, I was. It was great to do that, but I came to a point in my life where I was—I got married and I had a son on the way, and I wasn't able to really kind of maintain a proper, or, or not a proper, but um, you know, just a really consistent kind of um, work thing happening with mm-hmm. uh, with being in the band. So I had to step down, you know, mm. and uh, because it just wasn't—it wasn't consistent enough. How about that? Right, right, right. Especially if, if you got a kid coming, you needed more. Yeah, so it was, you know, I had to leave for you know those personal reasons. Sure. It wasn't anything to do with anybody in the band, or you know, or uh, you know, things were going sour or anything like that. It was great, actually. It was uh, it was kind of a, it was a real bummer, and and uh, when it happened, but it had to happen. Yeah, it sounded like you had your priorities right. It sounded like you had your right. priorities right. Yeah. All right, so we move. Uh, that was so from ninety eight to two thousand. You was with the King Diamond, of course, and you guys uh, did the House of God album. Um, and then from uh, then, then in 2004, you go, you hooked up with Megadeth. So talk about that a little bit. How that all happened? Basically, to make a long story short, it is a long one. Yeah. Um, I, I just, you know, I, it was a, a, a guy who became a friend that lives in lives in England. He's an Eidolon fan who were, who referred me to uh, to Dave. Actually, his webmaster, who was you know Dave's right hand man or whatever, you know, for the mm-hmm. promo and stuff online for Megadeth and. Um, you know, and then uh, the guy, the webmaster guy, knew about the Eidolon stuff. So, yeah, I mean, he might be, it might be a good fit because the kind of stuff. I mean, some of the stuff that we did in, in Eidolon, there was some elements of Megadeth here and there, not a lot, but there was definitely some parts of some songs that were on this, you know, along the same lines as, say, the earlier Megadeth albums, which is what we were always more in favor of, and. Um, you know, it just, it really, it happened so fast. I was referred, and then I got a phone call, and I was sending out audition tapes, and, and you know, and, and this and that. And before you know it, I think within, within three or four or five days, I had the gig. It was very, very quick. Wow. It happened. And um, I had about, I don't know, a few weeks, a month to prepare, you know, just the, the songs that we were going to be initially working on for that tour. Um, and uh, we all met up in Arizona for a couple of weeks and um, started the rehearsals. At that point, it was me and Jimmy McDonough from Iced Earth and um, Nick Menza was, had come back. But after about a week of rehearsing with Nick to get ready for this particular tour, he wasn't working out. There were some personal issues there with him and Dave and mm-hmm. whatever. And, and Dave turned to me and said, hey, you know, what about your brother? I know he can play because I've heard him and I've seen him <laughs> with the on 
Right. And, um, yeah. So I think that, yeah, I, I, I knew that would work. If, if, I, if I had any doubt, I wouldn't have brought him in because I wasn't about to jeopardize my position at that point. Mm-hmm. But I knew it would work out, and, um, and away we went. So Wow. Yeah. Talk about the experience. I mean, uh, we won't get into any 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 you know specific reasons why you left. It doesn't really matter. But did you did you have some good good times, old man? Because that's what it's all about is is, is enjoying your career and yeah, tons of great uh, times. I was yeah. seeing the I was seeing the, the the world with my brother and right. one of my best friends, Willie G, who was who was my guitar tech. And um, oh yeah, I have countless great memories from all that stuff. You know, first times going to Japan and Australia and yeah. Europe and South America. You name it. There's not too many places I don't think we covered. How does it, how does it feel to play sure. in front of massive crowds? I mean, you know, what what, what, did, what did that feel like? Feeling. It's, it's an incredible thing, it's, 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 especially when when the, when the crowd is really enthusiastic. Like, you know, we played Donington, which is called the Download Festival now. Monsters Rock, whatever. It's all the same. Right. And that's in the UK. And we played there twice, and both times we played, it was between eighty to a hundred thousand people. That's and as far as you can see, there was people. But as far as you can see, it was everybody's freaking out. It was just like this. It was so electric and such a oh man, it was amazing. It, I mean, an hour flew by. It felt like five minutes. It was just incredible. You didn't know it hit you. Get nervous and, at all? So it's better than anything I've ever experienced. That's is, for sure. Is there any nerves? You get nervous at all, or is it just kind of just? No, uh, not with those shows. It was more of a you're you're nervous, but not nervous like you're doubting yourself. You're just like, so excited. So it's not like really a nervous thing. It's more of an excitement kind of anticipation. You know. You know, I I I, do it. I talked to a Brad Arnold, the, the lead singer, three doors down. He, he's actually a friend of mine. He lives pretty close to me here in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Well, he's got a house in Nashville now. Now he's got money. But I asked Brad one time about about the the you know the difference between playing in the, in the local circuits and the clubs and then getting out there in stadiums. He said he was actually more nervous playing in some of the clubs and smaller crowds than he is in the big stadiums. Um, Probably, and that makes sense. And that was pretty much what it was like for me too, because usually the way it works is you start there and then you wind up if you're lucky getting to the point where you're playing bigger venues. And that's what happened when I when I started playing first pro band I played was King Diamond. Right. And the first show was, uh, it was a hall. It was probably not a big hall. I'd say probably about seven, 800 capacity. And then the next night we're playing a big theater in, in, uh, in, Las, in Nevada, or was Las Vegas rather. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was, you know, it was exciting. I was freaking out, but I was also pretty nervous too, you know, you just, <laughs> because it's really kind of freaky when you, you know, you first get into that. And, and, you know, but probably more so than it was with Megadeth, even though Megadeth is on a, a higher level. Uh, you know, um, it, it was the first shows I remember being more excited and not as nervous, that yucky, nervous feeling that you have in your stomach as I was with King Diamond. Mm, wow. I already played a lot, quite a few shows with that band, and then you know, and, and I felt comfortable with with playing with Dave. We hit it off pretty good, you know, as far as a, as a guitar team. We had a really good, you know, nice tight rhythm thing going on, and and then you know, my brother's there, and I've been playing along with him since I was, you know, Christ, ten years old, nine years old, you know. So there's a thing there that's that's it's very easy to lock in, and I, I know him like the back of my hand, playing wise. Yeah, yeah. What was the highlight? So it was it was it was a comfortable thing, you know. So it was mm-hmm. yeah. It was but 
that's that's usually how it works. Yeah, you you start off in smaller gigs, just you know the first few shows, you're nervous, and then it goes away, and then all of a sudden you're playing bigger shows, and it's not necessarily just the the amount of people makes you that you know if if you're playing in front of fifty thousand people, you're you know ten times more nervous than if you're playing in front of whatever. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work like that necessarily. Right, right. What was the highlight of the Megadeth experience? The highest, the, the best part of it. Well, that was probably one of them playing the download festival shows, mm -hmm. uh, playing Montreal, which is where I grew up, seeing all my first concerts, uh, playing here in Toronto uh, three times, four times, or whatever it was, four times. They were all great because all the shows really went, they went really well. I was, you know, we, that's all I was, I was hoping for those shows to be, you know, you want to you ace those shows, you know, in your hometown. And I felt that we played, all those shows were really good. They were all good nights. And so those are, you know, some of them, definitely some of the, uh, the really happy moments for sure. Touring with Heaven and Hell and, you know, becoming friends with, you know, people that got you into music, like Tony Iommi, like I mentioned before, and, yeah. and Ronnie Dio, and, um... Just, uh, yeah, was, you know, definitely that was, I mean, as far as the tour, that was probably one of the highlights for me is doing that particular, the Canadian and U.S. tour with Heaven and Hell. What's one of the craziest things you've seen a fan do? Hmm. Uh, I don't know if I can really think of anything in particular that really stands out. I always really, you know, I always wondered why people threw their shoes on stage. <laughs> that was always a weird one. I was like, what the hell are you guys doing, man? Yeah, now you're not even bare feet the rest of the night. I think I've seen more shoes on, on the stage more than anything else. You know, but, I, I've uh, heard of fans like hiding in, you know, sneaking in buses and hiding in... No, nothing. Nothing oh, like that? you know what? You just reminded me. Yes, there was one time, yes. Oh, yes. okay. This was a good one, but I don't know exactly how it came about. It happened so fast. We were playing an amphitheater somewhere in the U.S. I can't remember where it was, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Might have been in... Ah, oh, damn. You know what? I, I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, we'd finish the show, and uh, I, I, the way we finish a show is once we've done the encore, we would do the bow, and then the three of us would walk off, and then Dave would stand up there for a minute and say, you know, you know, you've been great, and blah, blah, blah. And... Um, so he would come back to the dressing room. He'd probably be there a few minutes later than we were. And uh, we went back to, in, into our into our dressing room, and there was a guy in there, and he was holding Dave's guitar, some kid. And we're like, you know, our jaws dropped. Like, what the hell is going on? Right. <laughs> Who are you? You know. And and you know, quickly quickly figured out that hey, he's not supposed to be in here. And mm -hmm. somehow he wound, you know, wandered and, and wound up backstage. And we were like, man, you better get out of here quick, you know, because he's... And then Dave walked in the room, and he was just like, man, he was... He didn't touch him or anything, but he was fuming. Yeah, I bet he's pissed. He's like, what are you doing? And, you know, he just totally, yeah. You know, so that was... I think I remember leaving the room, like, thinking, you know, this is going to be an explosion for sure, because Dave was just on fire, which is rightfully so, you know? I remember that. That's pretty crazy. That was definitely probably... But I don't know if the kid was... We don't know. You know. Was it just some kid that just happened to wander back there, like I was saying, or was it, you know, was he back there with somebody and he just kind of kind of snooping around? I don't know. Who knows, it was man? Definitely, I mean, for me, I, I would not ever dream of doing that, you know, because you think, well, common sense tells you, well, first of all, you don't, you know, invade somebody's private area, and um, no matter how much of a fan you are, and, and do something like that. And then pick up his guitar. I mean, that's and crazy. pick up his guitar, so it's, I don't know, common sense definitely didn't prevail that night with 
<laughs> but, uh, but hey, whatever. Absolutely. I think that's the only one. I don't think I remember anything else. It's, um, yeah. All right, so let's move forward a little bit. You, then, you, then you did some uh, little work with Testament, uh, one, of, one of my favorite bands. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about that experience a little bit. Well, I, I, basically all that was, was I was never part of the band. Yeah, I know. I, I did, basically what I did with those guys is Alex was uh, did some a little work. here at, at, uh, at one point. Uh, he was juggling a few different bands, I guess, at the time. And uh, and I already knew a couple of the guys or had met, met them at various shows when I was with Megadeth. And um, I think it was Gary Holt that referred me. Because I think they asked him first if he would step in because they had some shows they wanted to play and Alex couldn't commit. And then Gary said, hey, what about Glenn? You know, I think he I, you know, might be a good fit. And I wasn't doing anything at the time. And so I did a, a little bit of touring. We did uh, some shows in Mexico with Judas Priest, and uh, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was definitely going to ask there. you about that. I'm sorry? I was definitely going to ask you to talk a little bit about touring with Judas Priest, and I'm, I'm guessing you got to hang out and talk to Rob Halford and them guys some, huh? No, I, I, I didn't really, actually tell you the truth, it wasn't really, a, I didn't see them that much. And, oh, really? And, um, I think I talked to Rob for a total of 60 seconds one night, but just, you know, he said, hey, welcome, you know, glad, you know, you're on the tour with us and all that stuff, and it was really nice. So, um, I didn't really get to talk to, to, to uh, anybody really but KK. One night I was talking to him for a little while, he's a really nice guy, you know, but uh, I didn't really get to, the chance to meet the other guys so much, you know, maybe a little hello type of thing, but not really getting into any, you know, deep conversations or anything like that, no. Oh, that's but too bad. great to be on the same bill, of course, with, with a band that you grew up listening to. Oh, one of my favorite all time. Yeah, uh, yeah, great band. So, you know, that was, that was fun. And then, and then after that, there was, uh, this strange kind of tour that happened, which was, um, Megadeth, Testament, and Exodus. And I was asked to do that tour, which was odd, uh, as you can imagine. Yeah. But it was only just for the first couple of shows, you know. Yeah. And then after that, it was cool. I actually ended up having a really good time. Yeah, that's good. It's, it's nice that it worked out that way. Mm, yeah. It was just a fun time. Yeah. All right, so I was, just, I was just basically just yeah, just just kind of just helping the guys out and and uh, and playing music I loved and grew up with as well. So there you go. So then you touched base with Queensrÿche, one of another one of my all time favorite bands. I mean, when the mm-hmm. first time I ever heard Jeff T- Tate sing, it just blew me away. And then, yeah, me too, man. Me too. Whew. Vividly, as a matter of fact. I mean, yeah. just unbelievable vocal range. That guy's just a, just insane singer. So to get to jam with him in Queensryche, I'm guessing was a pretty thrilling experience as well. Well, I didn't. It never happened. Oh, is that right? No, I never got. I never played with uh, with with Jeff. What you might be getting confused with is the other version of Queensryche. That's right, because Jeff, yeah, obviously. So I'll give you the, I'll give the, the brief of the story. Basically, yeah. what happened was um, I was approached by Jeff um, to join his this version of what now as we know is a version of Queensryche at the time when when I was contacted and asked to be part of it there was really no you know there wasn't a whole lot of once I accepted it he told me a few things you know there wasn't really a whole lot talked about as far as the details of what was you know really going on with you know what is it going to be called is it are they going to record it? You know, what was, I had no idea really. All I knew is we were going to play some shows and we were going to play the Operation Mind Crime record possibly. And, um, you know, and that was that. And, and at some point we were going to get together and, and, and hook up and all that stuff. Well, we did. We were all flown into, or some of us were flown into Seattle. There was some of the other guys, some of the guys are from there. And, um, we did photos. And, uh, which is great, but it just, to me, it, I don't know, it, it wasn't, um, 
I think just because of some of the conversations and, and what was going on with, with where they wanted to go and what was going to be going on, I at the end of the day, I just didn't feel right about it. Um, I'm not going to get into the details of it, but yeah. there's nothing bad. It's just I, I just knew that it wasn't going to be right at the end of the day. How about that? You just weren't feeling it, and that's a lot. A lot. But also, to, yeah, but we did photos, and I, I really thought that we should have, you know, probably it would have been better to just go into a jam room, I think, first. And, and you know, because if you're going to call a band Queens, right, I mean, you know, it's, but to me, it makes, you know, we should go and just make sure you got all the right members and this. Now, right. I'm not saying that, you know, the way he did it is a bad way. It's just the, that was that would be what I would do. Um, and, and and that was that. At the end of the day, I just, was you know, everything was pointing to, no, it's actually not a good idea. And I felt really bad, you know, because Jeff was very nice to me, um, you know, and, and, and uh, just, you know, them bringing us out and taking the time and money to do that. I felt really bad about it, but I had, of course, the... As we all do, you have to think about your future and what you feel is right uh, moving forward. And unfortunately, there was just a, you know, it, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. How about that? And then as far as the other Queens Reich, I kind of got rifled a little bit in the, uh, yeah, it's all right. in the media a little bit. when You know, because I said on a Twitter post, I said, you know, I'm going to go jam with the real Queens Reich, real Queens Reich. What I was really saying was the original band, you know, like, uh, sure. I didn't want people to be conf confused, as a lot of people will be confused, because you got two bands that are called Queens, right? Yeah, that, that's So confusing. I just wanted people to, you know, I'm playing with the original guys, and that's what I, I was bad word, wording, I guess I used, but what I meant to say was the original, I'm going to play with the original band, which is, you know, Michael Wilton, Scott, and Eddie. And, and and Todd now with the new singer of the new singer Todd and, and uh, Parker has been in the band for a few years now the the uh, second guitar player but for me that's what I view as the original Queens right with or without Jeff Tate that's I, I think that for me that's the original band and I basically they just asked me to come up and play a song when they came, we were in, here in Toronto a couple of weeks back and I just went up and I played a song with them oh, cool. it was a lot of fun they were a lot of great guys I mean they're great guys a lot of really fun night, but uh, no, it's, it wasn't with Jeff's version. It was with. Uh, I don't know why I was Jeff. thinking. I don't know what I was thinking. I thought I thought you played some, some tunes with with, with, with Jeff. Well, again, uh, it, it's you know it's easily confused. Like yeah. I said, because yeah, yeah. both bands it's are, are called the exact same name, so it's that's crazy. Some, some confusion. And now is Jeff still trying to do it with with Queens? As far Queens, as I know, Queens yeah. like two and yeah. Queens like one or whatever. I, I you know he's I, I, as far as I know he's he's doing his version of the band and you know whatever you know it's, it's great it's all great. I have no issues with anybody on either side. It's all good stuff. You yeah, know, I, cool. just, I, I again I just had to I, I had to bow out. Yeah, you just went with your gut, and that's probably the best thing to do. Um, so what's the yeah. future, what's the future for you, man? What do you want to do? You know, five ten years down the road. I mean, you, you want to. Keep teaching. Is there any other big projects you think you want to join you more really big bands? Make any, any serious plans? You know, I, I, I really never. I, although it's been cool, I played in some cool bands along the way. You know, I guess I really haven't found the ultimate home um, yet. But that's okay because I've had some great experiences, you know, and stuff um, throughout all this stuff. You know, mm. uh, playing with the bands, and um, you know, I, I think maybe at some point, probably something else will pop up. Possibly, you know, that will be interesting and, and, and uh, could be a really cool thing. But at this point, I'm just concentrating on the recording and stuff that I had talked about with you earlier. And, uh, yeah, all that stuff. Everything I do is related to music, so it's all great. It's a great life when you can when you can make money and, and, and 
do something you really, really have a passion for. Well, yeah, for. I mean, that, that's, that's the thing. You know, it's, if, you're, if, it's, if music's your thing like it is for me and, and, and you're making a living out of doing what you, you've always lived your life around just about, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. Like, like, I can't complain, that's for sure, you know. What are your thoughts on the passing of Ronnie James Dio, man? That, that's what, what an icon that looked like. Uh, was. Yeah, it was horrible because uh, for me, he was probably one of the best people I think I've ever met in the business. Oh, wow. You know, I met a lot of great people. Yeah. And some of them I'm still in contact with. But uh, he was definitely right up there, you know? He just, he, it was like I knew him. What, I'd known him for years. What made Ronnie special to you? What was, what was it about him? But you know, but but he could turn around and, and you know he'll. I, man, I remember seeing. I'd, I'd be on the side of the stage, just, you know, just drink a beer, and he'd walk on stage and, and he'd rip your head off, you know. Which I always thought was really cool because I've also played with people too that you know they had to have uh, lukewarm water and a special kind of tea and uh, <laughs> fisherman's friend and, right. and all these kind of different all these things because you know they, you know they're scared they're going to screw up or something. He just go out there because he had all the confidence in the world, you know. And he went out there and he just ripped your head off. Yeah, and it was simple. And he was, uh, but he was a great guy too. He was. He'd, he'd sit down. He'd talk. He'd, you know, he always made you feel like he, you know you're you're his best friend, and he and he'd known you for a long time. The, the, so you have nothing but respect for people like that, and and um, you know that's definitely. Yeah, it's a sore spot. Yeah, that's a tragic loss. His vocals were unreal, man. For such for a small guy, the windpipes that guy had. His vocals are yeah. so powerful. Absolutely, and, and you know, and, and the way they did things too, like, I mean, their their stage level, like the backline level, as we call it, you know, the levels of the, of, of the amps and everything on stage was unbelievably loud. Like I've never heard anything <laughs> anybody even play close to that. It was just unbelievable how loud they played, and they never wore earplugs. He never wore earplugs, so, you know, he's like, because we wore in-ears, and go, ah, oh, no, that's no good, you know? Wow. So like, kind of shun all that stuff, because he's old school, you know? Yeah, yeah. You go up there on stage, and you just, you know, you just, it's like heavy, heavy volume levels, and no ear, you know, no, no plugs of, of any sort, you know? And, and, and he was amazing right up to the end. His voice was still incredible in his 60s, and... Wow. You know, yeah. they, 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 they don't make a lot of those guys anymore, you know, period. Right. There's only, you know, there's a handful of those kind of guys. Yeah, man, it's just a tragic loss. All right, man, I know you got some uh, something, something coming up you got to get to tonight, so I really wanted yes. to thank you again for doing this interview. Give me some closing thoughts, though. Give me some closing thoughts for all the fans out there. Oh, man, I, just, I don't know. Just, just thanks so much, to, you know, for all the support from everybody, you know, along the way and stuff. And, and uh you know, again, like I'm really excited about these Eidolon reissues and that are going to be coming out. And you know, where can they get them at iTunes? Where can, once they go out? Well, you know, it, it's there's a couple of different possibilities, which I won't get into because I don't want to jinx it. Okay, so I'll just okay. leave it for now. But um, the word will be out when when I when we figure it out, we get closer to you know. You know, closing these mixes and stuff like that, we'll, we'll definitely get the word out as to what's going to happen. Get the word out or shoot me an email so I can put that in the article and we can get a link to where people can go buy it. Of uh, course, yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Well, look, I really appreciate appreciate you doing this interview. Okay, thank you.